The first reading is Isaiah 55, verses 10 to 11, and can be found on page 744 in the Red Bibles. Isaiah 55, verses 10 to 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The second reading is Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 3, and can be found on page 1201. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The God is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Folks, it's been good to look at this uh, little series that we have. If you've been with us over the past couple of weeks, you'll know we've been thinking about um, some of the passages in the New Testament where um, Jesus is coming, his incarnation is spoken of, and some of the different things that it teaches us. It was, it was vital to the, um, uh, to the early church, its formation, their understanding of who Jesus was and why he came. And you can consider Jesus' coming, the incarnation, through a, a number of different uh, lenses, if you like. And we've thought about a couple of them. We've thought about uh, how it means we are brought into God's family. We're adopted as part of his, uh, his family. Jesus comes. Um, and uh, like our, 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 our brother, makes us part of his own family. We've thought about uh, how he came to save us, to, to bring salvation, not because of uh, what we've done, um, but actually because he brings everything himself. Um, and the, the way we're going to think about it uh, this morning, just for a little bit of time, if you bear with me for a while, is we're going to think about how Jesus is coming. Is, it's God's best communication to us. It's God's best communication uh, to us, with us. Um, it's uh, it's the sort of the, the, the finest, the greatest, the most supreme, the best way that God can ever and has ever communicated with us, his people, is by sending his son, Jesus. And we're going to think about um, just a couple of different ways in which we can kind of think about that from Hebrews. We'll ask um, how that is. Uh, we'll ask, and that's really to do with Jesus being on a, on a different level altogether. We'll think about why that is and how Jesus speaks to the longings of, of really all the years of, of God's people and our own. And then we'll ask what that means for us. Um, Jesus is God's best communication with us. Firstly, how is that? Well, really, Jesus, he's a, an order of magnitude different to anything that had come before in the way that God connects with and reaches out to us. Um, I want to try and illustrate this. Um, uh, I came across this, you, know, you might have seen, um, it's a collection in a moment, I'll show uh, of some videos, short clips of people uh, being able to hear fully for the first time. Um, I have to confess, it's quite moving when you see it, um, or I find it quite moving. Um, People who, uh, for various reasons, can't hear in different ways and then have, uh, have been um, aided and enabled to hear properly. Um, and it's remarkable their experience of that. You can find these kind of things online. And I, 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 this conveys something, I'll explain why in just a moment, of 
what is happening and why the writer of Hebrews is so excited by Jesus. So let's just watch this for a moment. It's about a minute and a half or so. <laughs> what do you think? quite powerful, isn't it, to see people being able to hear fully with clarity for the first time and to, and, and to see their expressions, to see their emotions, see their sense of what it is. Now, in a sense, what I'm trying to say this morning is, is as simple as this, that the writer of Hebrews, that kind of emotion, that sense of this is what has changed is really what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get across, that Jesus' coming is like that for somebody who couldn't hear and now can. Uh, it's not saying that beforehand, those, those individuals, in different ways, they would have been able to communicate. They might have used sign languages. They might have used lip reading. They may have used ways in which they can connect with people. Uh, we do that instinctively. We try and connect with people. But there is an order of magnitude that is different when suddenly someone can hear with that kind of clarity. And you can hear and see in the emotion on their faces uh, as they experience that kind of difference. And that is what the writer of Hebrews, he says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. Before, he spoke to us through prophets, various times, various ways. Now, something on a different level entirely has happened. Jesus has come. And it's like being able to hear with crystal clarity when you couldn't hear before. And it's that, you know, I could, I could in one sense, I could sit down and we could end. You're probably thinking, well, why don't you? <laughs> but we'll just think a little bit more about it. But actually, this is the kind of difference that he's talking about. In the Old Testament, the, the way that it's written there, he says, it came through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And the words that are used there uh, uh, the, for the sort of various, the, the various portions, various sections, various... What it's trying to say is that in the past, when God spoke in the Old Testament, he did it piecemeal. He did it bit by bit. He did it here and there in different ways. And if you think for a moment, there were, uh, there were a whole host of prophets. And think for a moment the ways in which they spoke. They, they, they did a lot of different things. You can look through the Old Testament. Prophets spoke in announcements. Uh, they sometimes brought commands to God's people or God's kings. 
they spoke of histories and they narrated what had happened. Uh, they sometimes spoke in parables. Maybe you think about Nathan the prophet confronting David uh, with a parable about a little uh, a story about a little lamb that really sort of gets behind David uh, and what he's got going on for him. Uh, they sometimes spoke with predictions. They sometimes spoke with reflections. And sometimes there were mighty acts and works and wonders that they did, that God did through them. There's a whole range of things. And the, the writer is saying that there were these things that happened, that they were good and they, they, they taught us about God's, but they were piecemeal. They were a part here and a part there. And now something of an altogether different magnitude has come, and it is Jesus who does it and speaks wholly in himself. And if you think for a moment, his coming, the accounts of the Gospels, if you've never read one of them, can I encourage you to read one of the Gospel accounts? It depicts all of those things come together in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Those commands and reflections and parables and teachings and mighty acts and wonders and signs, they come together And in its clearest form, God communicates with us. Jesus is another level altogether. Why? Uh, Why is this God's best communication? If that's how, why is it? Well, because it then means that Jesus is fulfilling something. He's here to complete something, something that's been longing and waited for. Uh, So Jesus speaks to our longings. And there's something else that you can't quite detect. And the way the translations work, for some reason they they translate, in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Now that makes good sense to us because we know he is God's son. But actually the uh, the way it's written is just he's spoken to us by a a son. Um, He's spoken to us by a son, as in a a son of God. uh, The unique son of God, but a son of God rather than a son of man, an individual, rather than a prophet, a person, a human. He's spoken to us by his own son, but a son, that kind of category. And it means that something that perhaps we might have wondered, if you'd wanted to hear from God himself, but all this time through the Old Testament, you've been waiting and you've been hearing from different prophets in different ways. Now, finally, we are hearing from the living gods as he has come. A son has come, a son of God has come. And it's a bit like a completion, a fulfillment. Um, many years, well, it was, it was somewhere in the middle of lockdown. Uh, we were able to watch the, uh, the Hamilton movie that was, uh, was sort of made available, um, uh, a recording of the, uh, of the Hamilton musical. Um, it was great, very enjoyable. We watched it uh, some years ago. Um, it's, uh, it's available still. If you, if you get a chance to see it, it's great. Uh, very recently, um, what was it, November time, we were fortunate enough, we'd got some tickets to be able to go and see the musical which arrived here in Manchester. I know a number of you have seen it, because uh, you tell me on social media. Um, I see, I was, and, and, you know, even though we were high up at the back, and it was a long way down, it was the most amazing thing. And the sort of promise of seeing the movie, uh, the, the, the recording um, on TV was great, but there was nothing like seeing the reality on stage. It's absolutely fantastic to see in person. And if you ever get a chance to see it, I would encourage it. It's it's a terrific uh, musical. But that kind of difference is the kind of thing that he's saying, look, here's a sort of, there's a longing. Once once you've got a taste for it, you think, I'd love to see it in person. And when you get to, there's a kind of fulfillment. And that is what Jesus brings, this longing for the things that the Old Testament had set up. And he does this because 
of who he is. He's, he's both the origin of everything. So we're told he was uh, through Jesus, uh, the universe was made. So he was at the beginning. But he's also then the heir and the fulfillment of it. He's the appointed heir of all things. So it means that Jesus is the one that all the, all the hopes of the Old Testament pointed to it. So the prophets who spoke of or introduced or brought in, the, for example, the sacrificial system, the way in which we might be made right with God, uh, or the temple, uh, the way in which we might be in the presence of God, uh, or kingship, the way in which we might have good rule from God. All of those things are sort of layered up in the Old Testament, but they then find their fulfillment in Jesus himself, who is the way in which we are made right with God, the perfect final sacrifice. He's the perfect way in which we can know God. He's the perfect presence of God with us. Uh, he's the perfect king, the good ruler over us. So all of these longings, and this picture, which I kind of, I love bringing this picture out around this kind of time of year. And if you've ever come across this, it's a, again, it's a profoundly moving picture in lots of ways. An artist has pictured, you'll see it's Eve is on the left. Uh, you can see the snake is around uh, her legs. Uh, she's holding fruit in her hand. And her sorrowful look is one that says, here are the longings of people of humanity from the beginning. Here are the longings that we might somehow know God. We might be made right with God. And she is held by and reaching out to Mary. And it's Mary who bears uh, Jesus. She's pregnant there. And in Mary, Eve sees the reflection and the completion of everything that she's longing for. Everything that's the hopes of humanity. So whatever it is, as you look around the world today and you think, well, why don't we have peace? Why don't we have uh, uh, harmony between people? Why do we have conflict? Why do we have sin? Why do we have uh, a brokenness in this world? It's bound up in that, that sense of Eve's longing for and the Old Testament longing for all of these things. If you think about it, all the ways in which God sets things up, his people are saying, look, I know there are ways you want things to be better, and I know you're longing for them, and I'm laying down found foundations for you. But it won't be until Jesus steps on the stage that all of those things are completed. When Mary gives birth to a son, the incarnation, Jesus walks into history, and he completes the longings that we have. And in many ways, I would say this morning, he completes the longings that you and I have. We, the longings we have may be buried low somewhere. We may not necessarily know what they are fully. We may not always be able to acknowledge them. But the longings that you and I carry won't be met in any other way ultimately other than in God, in his son, Jesus Christ. And he's the fulfillment. He's the, he's the, the, the end point of history. God is saying that everything that you are, I've made you to worship me and everything that you're longing for will ultimately find its expression ultimately in Jesus Christ and in your worship of him. He's God's best communication to us. Uh, why? How? Because he's is just a different magnitude to anything else that's come before. Why? Because he speaks in, he fulfills, he brings to completion all of those longings that we have. So I guess just so what? As we go into this new year and as we look ahead, what does it mean for us um, I think it asked us this question, this uh, little opening to, um, to Hebrews asked us this question, which is, as we go into this new year, are you going to find Jesus useful 
or will you find him beautiful? Let me explain what I mean here. He says, in the past, uh, God spoke through the prophets. In these days, he's spoken by his son, Jesus. And that son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He's the radiance uh, of God's glory. So the one thing that Jesus brings that we've never had fully before is he brings that sense of the wonder, the splendor, the majesty, the beauty of God's uh, person, and he brings it to us here on earth. If you think about it in the Old Testament, God spoke of his glory. Occasionally people had glimpses of it, but it was far too great for us to bear. And Jesus brings that to us. And what it means is that he is, he's not just useful to us. Now, I don't know if that's perhaps where your starting point is. And in many ways, it's a good starting point to think, okay, is Jesus useful? Um, I think there's something of a movement around. I I keep reading articles where people are engaging with the Christian faith. and, And people are sort of discovering a sense in which perhaps we've lost or we've become unmoored from our Christian heritage. And actually, people are sort of reaching around and saying, I wonder actually if if in throwing away Christianity, we've thrown away a lot that we need in society. Um, You'll find articles um, on this kind of subject. Um, There are historians and writers who are just sort of questioning this thing. And people might come along and say, well, you might be one who says, well, I I think perhaps actually Christian teaching is valuable. Maybe I do, uh, I do need it. Maybe it helps make sense of um, society. Maybe having Christian morality is actually not a bad thing. Maybe I do think that would help us um, in organizing uh, a, a kind of life here, um, communities, uh, how we care for one another, God's compassion for uh, everybody. But if we only come to Jesus because he's useful... If we only come because he's useful, I think we'll find that it has a shelf life. There'll be a point at which we kind of go, yeah, this is working and this is helpful. But as, as every generation sort of, you go through a cycle, people come back to kind of Christian uh, thinking. But then we grow tired of it. We assume it's there, we presume on it, and we leave it behind. And I think if, if we only come to Jesus because we think it's useful, because we think he's useful, it'll last a while, but it won't last forever. When we watched the video at the start there of those people, did you see how, what many of them did uh, when the process of being able to enable them to hear was beginning? Most of them cried. They cried tears of joy. There's this remark, it's really quite moving to watch, isn't it? As they, just that, I can suddenly hear, and it's so overwhelmingly moving. And I think unless we begin to sense in which the ways in which Jesus is not just useful for us, but he actually brings to us a sense of the beauty of who God is. That God actually cares about you and me. Individually, he cares about us as a community. The reason he comes is not just because it's going it's to, you know, a better set of policies than any politician has. He doesn't come just because it's going to make society better. He comes because he cares about you and me. And in our Our deepest longings and desires, our longing to know who God is, our longing to know that we are loved and we are cared for, that someone understands us. Someone could look deep inside us and still say, I love you. Unless we 
grasp that sense of the beauty of God's goodness to us in Jesus Christ. The wonder that he would step into this world. That's how far he would come because of how much he cares for us. I don't think it will, our, our, kind of, our sense of the value of Christianity won't last. But insofar as you begin to grasp that, insofar as you and I begin to sense God's love for us, I think that's when Christianity will grip hold of you. And as you go into this new year, I wonder if it's just a reflection that we might take into this new year. Can I reflect not just on the usefulness of Jesus to me, that he's kind of like an extra tool in the box uh, or, a, or a, you know, a valuable bit of my diary, but actually he is supremely beautiful, wonderful, valuable, precious to us. As precious as a friend or a family member whom you love and you love to connect with and see, and their mere presence with you lights up your face, lights up your life. He's the radiance of God's glory. He's the one who brings the beauty of God saying, you and you and you, I love, I care for, I see exactly what you're like, and I love you. I wonder if that would uh, be an encouragement to us as we go into this year, as we uh, sort of bring our reflections on the incarnation to an end. Uh, It might be a prayer for this week. It might be a chance to go and read some passages of Scripture, to reflect, to read one of the Gospels again, to reflect on who Jesus is. It might be a chance just to pray, to take some time this week, if there's a a quieter season, to walk uh, uh, the streets, to walk out into the countryside, to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, just speak to me of your goodness, speak to me of your love. Remind me afresh that you coming is that kind of momentous change. It's like being able to hear for the first time. Would you well up in me those tears of joy? Why don't we uh, take a moment to reflect, then we're going to sing a great song which just sort of brings those ideas together, reflecting on the goodness of Christ. Uh, But I'll give us a moment of pause just to reflect as we think about where we're going and the start of this new year together.